Have you ever wondered what it's like for other people to go through a life event? Is it the same for them? Is it different? And how? My name is Dr. Nikkel Rogers-Webb. I'm a psychologist. I'm doing a podcast with my mom, Dr. Elsa Rogers, Dean of General Studies. And we're going to be talking to different people about what it's like to go through a single life event at the same time. In the field of psychology, there's something called the Holmes-Ray Stress Inventory. So often we think about stress as something that's negative. It's something that occurs when a, quote, bad life event happens. Well, that's not exactly the case. The Holmes-Ray Stress Inventory measures the amount of stress and change that we've had in life. And they ask about the hard negative stuff like death, loss of a job, those kinds of things. But they also ask about positive changes like getting married, having a baby, getting a new job, moving into a new place or moving to a new town. So sometimes wonderful things bring stress. Marriage, like I mentioned before, is one of those wonderful things that can cause us to go, oh, wait, now what? So on today's episode of At The Same Time, we are pleased to welcome Dr. Kwali Tellisberg. He got married last year, and he tells us a little about it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of At The Same Time. And this season, we are talking about now what? So looking at big life transitions and you know you you get through them and then you go okay now what so we, we're wondering what happens on the other side of that big transition so today we have dr kwali telesford with us and full disclosure especially for those of you who listened to us last season this is another family member we have a massive family, so maybe you'll be able to meet everybody <laughs> by the end of this. But um, Kwawi, thank you so much for joining us. And I wondered if you could just introduce yourself to our audience, tell them a little bit about you, um, what you do for a living, those kinds of things. Right. Hello, my name is Kwawi Tellisford. I am a biomedical engineer by training. Um, I got my PhD in biomedical engineering at Wake Forest and Virginia Tech. And uh, I mostly do neuroimaging and, or brain imaging. And I also do work in, uh, with network science. And then I combine those two to try to understand, I guess, how do, how do different parts of the brain interact with each other? So that's my background. And in, I guess, doing science, I've kind of been all over the country. I first started in Connecticut after leaving New York and New Jersey, then to New Mexico, and then finally to North Carolina for my PhD, and then I did my postdoc in Philadelphia. And then I moved right back to New Jersey when I started my job, where I work at the Nathan Klein Institute right now, and I'm doing brain imaging there, or doing brain imaging research there. That is very like highbrow and super smart. And so um, I want to tell our audience, we're not talking about brain imaging. So you do not have to know, know all about that to enjoy our episode. We are actually talking about a major life event that Kwali had last year, actually during COVID. And Kwali, you got married. So yes. um, tell us tell us about this because, um, you know, it, it was a, a very different time in, you know, kind of the life of the whole planet. So maybe start back at the beginning about how you 
met your wife and how long you were together before you decided to get married and those kinds of things. Okay, so I met my current wife um, through As online. As to your past wife? Wait, 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 wait. You said your current wife? Yes. I, I, my current and, and, and final wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> and only wife, so. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, we had to tease you a little bit. Yes, I know. Uh, I, I met her on a with a dating app called Hinge, and okay. we had been we had been dating for about just over two years before we proceeded to get married. Of course, it was very quick after that um, between I guess proposal and marriage, but I think the pandemic is kind of what accelerated all of that. Hmm. So talk us through that. I'm, I'm curious that, you know, how did the pandemic end up accelerating it? And then, of course, we want to hear about kind of that experience of getting married right. in the middle of that. So I think, I guess the question I think you had was kind of like, now what? And mm-hmm. challenges, big surprises. And I actually felt as though marriage made everything really easy. Because mm-hmm. before that, my wife lived in Jersey City. I live in South Orange, New Jersey. They're about 30 minutes apart. But if you're in the New York area, everything is really far apart because you have lots of traffic. So it's always a lot of work to go and visit someone or go on a date, do different things. And so there's always this back and forth. I was, I would always come home after work and then usually head over to her place. And then we had a shutdown. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, everything is everything is everyone's in place now and for her her job had basically furloughed her so then she was basically all home at home alone and then everyone at her job almost everyone at her workplace got covid oh no so she thought she had it but she didn't really have it but then she was at home for like let's say two weeks before they said oh yeah we're, we're we're not we're not bringing you back for we're, we're, we're sending everybody home now. And oh. so this created a dilemma for her because how do you pay for your rent now? How do you? Yeah. And this is before they started giving um, checks to everyone. This is a very huge surprise. So mm-hmm. I live in a house. So I said, just come live with me. It was, it was a very simple, easy thing. We just said, yeah. your lease ends this time. Um, you're paid through then. And then after that, just we'll just move all your stuff over here, and then you can come live here. That's and so was, easy. Yeah. So then that whole traveling back and forth shrunk because now <laughs> she's just here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's great. And um, did you propose uh, before she moved in, while she was there? While she was here. But it was oh. I would say it was already moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did propose formally when she was here. Did you find the adjustment to being married uh, a difficult adjustment to make? I didn't find so. I think partly because it's, I think to me, the big adjustment usually is two people moving together mm-hmm. and then they move to a new place together and then they, re- they build that. Since I'm already at the house I'm living in, I don't think it was much of an adjustment for me, probably more of an adjustment for her. Okay. okay, but um, 
in terms of adjustment, there is the physical adjustment, you know, in, right. uh, as, as it relates to space. But there's also a sort of mental switch that you turn where suddenly you may want to do something, but you may have to consider the other party. Was that a difficult adjustment for you in that way? I still don't think it was, partly because I guess of how I grew up, because I'm one of three children in a very large family. And that whole concept of thinking and considering others is something you do all the time. Mm-hmm. So I haven't always just lived on my own. It's I've always lived with other people. So yes, this is like your wife now or your girlfriend. And so that's not just any other person you're living with, but I still think the same thing applies in terms of thinking of others and what they, what are their needs. So that's a good point. Yeah, go ahead. So I was going to kind of add on to that was what I is for her, I think was a big adjustment because she is now with lots of people because she's an only child. So she has been used to that whole idea. Things are on your own. So I think it was a bigger adjustment for her. And it was just, trying to, I guess, I guess not coax her into that lifestyle of, okay, now we're all together, but mm-hmm. be sensitive to her needs because it is a very different world when you grow up on your own versus growing up with people. So in terms of where you guys are, it sounds like there's more than just the two of you that she's kind of in moving in because of just circumstances that she got folded into this big family and a lot of interaction. Right. Well, I would say the pandemic limits that, of course. Sure. She she did come to some family events before, like we had this boat cruise that we do for a medical mission. So yeah. she actually met a lot of the family there. And then so she just saw that we had a very huge family. <laughs> and... I it's think, also you have to break them in, don't you? Right. I mean, it's this thing. It's like, by the way, it's not just me. It's like 300 cousins. Yes. <laughs> and and they have kids now, so there are lots more children around. Yeah. And I would say actually that the big thing that we did was, or so I was at first say that my mother is one of those people that always helps people out when they need help. If you need yeah. help, she's there to help. And so my sister is the same way. And she had a friend who was just recovering from surgery and she has four kids. And so my sister said, why don't you bring your kids over to my place and I'll take, and I'll, and I'll watch them for like, I think it was about a month or so. While oh you- my gosh. Oh, wow. She wasn't quite sure if she could have them at her house because she has four kids. Exactly. So she called me and said, Hey, Kwabi. Do you mind if um, these kids stay at the house? Would you like four kids for the next month? Yeah. And and eventually we worked things out. So her daughter would come up with two of the kids. So three of them actually stayed at the, the house for about a week. But then before she went and had them all prepared to stay down there. Okay. And this was at the same time that my wife, then girlfriend, had just moved in too. So it was like this oh, wow. giant change for her. So what was, I, well, what was your wife's reaction? She at first was, I guess, anxious and apprehensive about this just because mm-hmm. it's like all these people are coming in. I don't know anybody and I just got mm-hmm. here and I'm trying to, I guess, figure out my bearings. But yeah, eventually once they were here, then it was, it was fine. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, so, that's great. Go ahead, Nikhil. Well, you were, you mentioned that kind of the COVID being, you know, kind of with us shortened your engagement, um, that you, you had been together for a while and you knew you were probably going to get married, but that you went from engaged to married maybe a little faster than you would have in yeah. COVID times. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I would say, so we got engaged in the summer. So is that either July or August? I don't remember quite when. I think it was July. And then we said, let's just plan our marriage and just do it in October. And the reason why was more just because it was a fun number in my head. I saw 10, 10, 20, 20. I said, oh, let's do that. <laughs> I like it. And normally you would, I guess you normally wait a year, but what's happening a year from now? Do yeah. we do, what are, like, what are all the procedures we're going to follow? Mm -hmm. I said, it's easier just to do it now rather than wait when we don't know when the horizon is. Mm. Yeah, because if I think back, I mean, gosh, so much has happened in the last year and a half, but back in, you know, last summer, we didn't know, like this had gone on longer than we thought it would. And we did not know when a vaccine would be right. available. So it was still like, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So tell me, how is marriage now? Now that you are married, was there... You said you said marriage made things easy. Did it yeah. make did it make everything everything at all easy, or were there some little things that uh, I know you, you you first of all said that you are more or less easy to get along with because of the way you've been brought up and uh, you've, you're always thoughtful of others. But when you get married, at least I'm speaking for myself, there was something in my head that said suddenly this is a bit different because you know. I'm married. Did you ever get that, oh, I'm married feeling? I would actually say no. Oh. But the, the thing I kind of, I think I learned or is communication is very important. Mm -hmm. So how we communicate became like, uh, like very useful. Like I guess having discussions about that because we both have our own styles and now we have to kind of now figure each other out. So I think that's the one transition I would say I had mm -hmm. in how I communicate. And so I, I, I can sometimes not be clear. So how to be clear in the way I communicate. And was that something you figured out in the process of dating in the process, like the, the time between when she moved in and you got married or was that kind of ironed out, you know, okay, now we're married. We know that this is, permanent state of being we mm -hmm. have to we now have to figure out not just my style or your style of communication but how we are going to do this i think that was more when we moved in because okay. when you're when you're in your own places you're going to visit each other's homes you're just going back and forth and there really isn't that dwelling time to doesn't be with each other even if you spend a lot of time with each other there's still this whole i'm going home mm -hmm. so now yeah. you're actually in your home together and you always be together, then those things become, I guess, bigger. And, and also the factor is you now live together. So all the little things that you do now become prominent. It's not just <laughs> yes. my, my way. Yes. 
yes i think um those i think yeah it's that living together that that is can be a shock because there's also um the colliding of cultures and i don't just mean like cultures like what country you were brought up in but like even within the same country families do things differently and so what you think of as like well of course i would do this right. might seem strange to your partner right I would say the big difference for us is that she tends to, well, she grew up in a household where if you are done with something, you throw it away, you donate it, you get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I grew up in a household where if you're done with that, if it's still useful, put it away in storage because mm-hmm. someone in your family may need that later on. Yeah. You don't know when, so you just hold on to it. And maybe after several years, you say, okay, I've held this onto this too long, get rid of it. But a lot of things you just hold on to because someone's going to need it. And in many cases, someone does use it. Yeah. So how did you two work that out? Because that's that's a very specific and good example right. um, that both both ways are valid. So how did you figure out what to do with items when you're finished with that? Well, right now I'm in a more of a purging stage. So I'm more in line with getting rid of things. Mm-hmm. But um, there are a few things that, you know, we just we just talk about it saying I'm thinking of using it for this partic- in particular reason or saving it for this reason. And then she'll say, okay, that makes sense. So it's, it's we are, we're just both flexible with each other. Well, but I also kind of like that idea. I mean, I haven't, I've just heard of Marie Kondo. But I haven't really mm-hmm. kind of gone on a deep dive, but that there's a um, consciousness about it as opposed to I'm just holding on to this because I hold on to stuff. Right. Now, because you have to communicate, you can be intentional about why am I keeping this and, you know, kind of be able to, to voice that. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, I think myself, I'm also, I'm not one of those people that just holds on to things just to hold on to them. I will always hold on to it with a particular thing in mind. For instance, when I moved back home, I had a bunch of stuff from an apartment and that included dishes. Mm-hmm. Now, I could say, get rid of all these dishes because I, I won't need these dishes anymore. But I told myself, my niece is in high school. She's going to be going to college, and she may move out to live mm-hmm. on her own. So I'm going to hold on to these dishes because she's getting them. Yeah. And yeah. that's exactly what happened. <laughs> well, and I kind of I, – I love that from the point of view of, like, you grew up with, you know, two other siblings, but – you happen to grow up in a pocket of the country where we have a lot of cousins. Yes. And so there's more interaction than just your siblings. And I think that for a number of our cousins, they interact as though they're siblings. Yes. So there's, there's that there's kind of the sense of, Oh, I I have more than just my nuclear family that could use things. I have all of these other cousins slash siblings who might, um, might need something. And that's why I've always felt a little weird when I hear some people don't speak to their family members. Like they don't, like they have these sets of cousins that they don't know mm-hmm. and they've never met them. And it's like, how? Mm. Yeah. You know, that's interesting because, you know, my husband is from a different culture and that's like, there are cousins who talk all the time. There are cousins who sometimes don't. There's like, right. you know, like it's, it's an interesting Thing in terms of family dynamics because I'm like, well, yeah, my dad and all of his siblings talk 
And then all the cousins get together and talk. And I remember during COVID, like we would all like have a Friday night Zoom call. Like it was just so normal that I did not realize until, you know, I got into um, kind of closer relationships with other people from other families that that's not always the case. So I, yeah. I had the same experience um, as you. Yeah, it is a blessing to have that kind of family because um, it, uh, it, it seems common between both of you. It's not a very common experience. Many people, I, I've known many, many people who have not spoken to siblings or who've not spoken to cousins or even parents for years. And it always seems a bit strange, but it is their normal. Right. And, and sometimes you do have like physical separation because you're just not in the same country. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, for instance, I have most of my father's side, I'm not talking to them all the time. But when I go to Trinidad, it's kind of like I, the time in between it just disappears. Like, hey, how's everything? And then you yes. just go about, go about life. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, who are you? I don't even know who you are. I don't know this. <laughs> right. yeah. Yes. yeah. And I think that was the other thing that surprised my husband because I, I did the same thing. Like, you, I remember back in the day, like when our grandparents were still alive. Like the big thing was when you take the boyfriend or the girlfriend to Trinidad, like, yep. okay, <laughs> like, they're serious because then you're meeting all the grandparents, all the aunties and the uncles and the cousins. And you're like, okay, is that cousin, like, are those the parents? I'd be like, no, no, it's this. And I, I remember, I think it was either, I think it might've been my husband or maybe there was somebody where I was like, I just need to draw you a chart because I do not think, you know, like for the Americans who have like one sibling and then their parents have one sibling, like there's not um, that under that understanding of, well, of course this one married that one. And then they had these kids and like, you just keep straight, keep it straight. But, you know, I think what I admire about the family too, is that an auntie is an auntie, but, for someone looking on the outside, they're asking, is that your mom? Who is that to you? Because everyone seems to be so in touch that uh, that uh, you can't tell who's the parent, who's the aunt, who's the uncle, or anything at all. That's what, that's what happened to my mother. She would go to the mall with all the cousins sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they think, are those all your kids? And it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It's very so, fluid. I can just imagine how difficult it was, or perhaps not difficult, but rather challenging, or maybe somewhat strange too, for your wife to see all of these people. And everyone is interacting as though, they, like you said, they're siblings. Yeah, but I, I think she's starting to, she, she understands it more. And mm-hmm. then she likes that because it's like her real, a real sense of family, like a large group of people all coming together and helping each other. Yeah. 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 So I am dying to know what it was like to have a Zoom wedding because when we got the like the text that yeah, we're going to do this on Zoom, I thought, okay, I have now <laughs> done another COVID thing. I get to go to a, a wedding on Zoom and it was beautiful yes. by the way. We really I remember we sat in, in mom, we sat in your living room and the three yes. of us were like huddled around, you know, like the phone and the iPad, and we just thought it was beautiful. Um, but 
tell us a little bit about planning that, what it was like. Like, do you have a recording to go back? And because I think we were in the chat, like mm-hmm. exchanging yeah. messages too. So the recording actually got messed up. <gasps> no. Yeah. So the, the, what was it? It was supposed to be like when you start the Zoom meeting, it starts recording. So I paused it. But then in all the getting everything set up because you're doing everything on your own, mm-hmm. that record start didn't happen. But other people oh. did record parts of it. But everyone that was that needed to be there saw it. So it's okay. And then I also asked the question, how many of us actually go back and look at wedding videos? Good question. I think I've watched mine once and <laughs> I've been married for like 14 years. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just remember the moment. It's right. true. You just remember what it felt like. Yes. And mom, and you didn't even see your wedding photos for like decades. I know. I have a story about my wedding photos. Here, he took the pictures and he decided he was going to blow them up and make them look really professional and then send them back to me. But it so happened that life got in the way and we never did get the pictures. Finally, so she found the pictures and she said, oh, 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 I'm going to send these Elsa. Well, how much later was this though? Um, maybe about this is like twenty. What <laughs> twenty? This is later. like <laughs> this is like thirty years after the. It fact. was about thirty years after the fact. <laughs> so anyway, so she put down the pictures and she said, "Okay, I'm going to mail them to Elsa." And amazingly, she forgot where she put them down. And she couldn't <laughs> mail them. So after about a few years, she found the pictures again. And she put them down again. She couldn't find them. So finally, the last time she found those pictures, she said, I'm going to mail them right now. So then, you know, dad, um, he likes technology, but doesn't always know exactly like which bits and pieces to put together. So he calls me up and he goes, I got our wedding photos. And I'm like, okay, that's great. And he goes, no, no, no. I've never seen them. (laughs) What? So he tells me this story and he goes, and your mom doesn't know that I have them. So I'd like to put it in an album, but I think he saw, um, I had gotten a lot of photos from the different guests when I got married. And so we did one of those digital, like we got, um, we put together all the digital photos and just did a photo book. And I think he had seen that and thought that it looked, it ended up looking really nice. And so he said, well, can you help me with this? So he then mailed me the photos and I was a little bit of a wreck because I was like, oh my gosh, you're sticking these in the mail. And like, I just hope they don't get lost. So um, they did get to me. I digitized all of them and then spent some time putting together the album. And then I think I sent it to your house. Did did you... Like, get it and open it, Mom? No, no, no. You sent it to the house, but I did not get it because I was at a conference. And Ah. uh, yeah, yeah, Dad got it. And he, when I came back, there was this big box on the, um, in the kitchen. And when I opened it, I was, listen, Chloe, you won't believe it. I was shocked. I said, oh, wedding pictures. (laughs) (laughs) And and my tone was, listen, I had to wait 30 something years to see these pictures. What if we were divorced? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have to stay married so you could see your wedding photos. Yes. Yes. 
So that's it. Uh, okay. So well, back to your wedding. Um, because the part, like the part at which we logged off, was when you guys were gonna like eat, and the cake looked good. Like it just looked like you were gonna have a good lunch. So you know, kind of what yeah. was the, the whole rest of it like once? Because you had people from all over the world in this Zoom. Yes, I had. So I had. I guess I'll, I'll tell everyone. I had my friend, who's um, my best friend from middle school, who is living in Japan, and he's ordained to do weddings. Mm-hmm. So I asked him, "Hey, could you do my wedding?" He said, "Sure. Just tell me what time it is, because you know it's late at night." Mm-hmm. So. I had him there. Her parents were in China. She had a friend in um, Shanghai because she's from Shanghai. Mm-hmm. There was another friend that was in Thailand. And then we had uh, some people from California and then all the cousins all over the, the mm-hmm. country. And so, yeah, everyone was connected at the same time. And in, t- in terms of the actual wedding, I wasn't really planning on doing a big Zoom broadcast in the beginning. Mm. I figured I was going to just let's do our own little ceremony. And then we started planning what do we want to do. So uh, we said, okay, let's make an arch. So I had an old bed that I had taken apart from my old apartment. So I used that as the wood for the arch. Then we, we we looked on Amazon and started ordering things to be putting out, to put on the arch. And then I said, I have a good camera. So we can set up a camera and then do a Zoom thing. And then I realized, oh, we could actually do a webinar uh-huh. and then just broadcast it to everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's when it, it kind of snowballed and said, okay, we have to invite everybody. Because at first it was just going to be my parents and then immediate family that's there. I was going to have my sister and she has four kids. I said, oh, among those kids, we can get a, a ring bear and some flower. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Then I have my other sister, my older sister. And so it was just going to be us for this wedding. And then I asked my brother-in-law to do photography for the wedding. But then it kind of got bigger. So I said, okay, let's make sure it works. So we went to a party supply store. Uh, we rented some chairs. We we got some um, candles and like little lanterns to go along the walkway went to the supermarket, bought some roses so that we could just take the petals out and then lay them out along the aisle. And it was just one of those organic things that we had start planning. And I credit my wife for most of the work because I was busy at work still because I still had to commute every day in terms of virtual commuting. And also I was um, also doing experiments where I was collecting data. So I was actually going into work still oh my but the wedding was beautiful though it really was yeah 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 and i'm so glad that we got to go i mean you know (laughs) virtual right and and then and i I will say like it was actually much cheaper than a real wedding (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing you know like yeah wedding costs are outrageous so right um and i think you know when i when i was looking at all the people who were there because you could kind of scroll through and see i thought you know, yeah. what's really neat about the, the setup that you had is that people who wouldn't have been able to make it could, because it would be so right. hard to get all of those people to the same place at the same time. Yes. And I yeah. loved how everybody was interacting with each other. So in the beginning, I had, was setting up the camera, making sure everything was ready to go. But then I saw people interacting in the Zoom chat. Yeah. I was like, oh, so nice. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just chatting. 
kind of saying hello welcome and it was very nice yeah it was yeah <laughs> yeah it, it was really neat yeah because you you felt that kind of warmth you know and kind of yeah. oh did you see this oh yeah that's so pretty and yeah yeah um so that was good well anything else to tell us about kind of how your life has transformed in the last year or so mr married man I would say that being at home, you at home all the time, much of, I think, the development of a relationship, it's like you spend more years at home, mm. even though you only spent months because you're in constant contact. Whereas if the world is open, I'm going out to work, you're going out to work, we interact with each other sometime at night mm-hmm. or just on the weekends. And so that constant being around each other is actually really nice because then you get to really get to know somebody and i think that that whole aspect of the pandemic is the good part about it is that what happens after this when things open up do we lose that yeah 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 that is something like i wonder about you know um because I feel like we, and maybe I just speak for myself. I just, I feel like there's so much rush happening that like, I've got this, my husband has this, my kids have that. And yeah. and what do we lose? Like I, of course, am missing some of the outside connections, some of the things that we used to be able to do. But I feel like I was doing more than I was being. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I would like to, um, you know, when we kind of resume life, be more thoughtful about how I do that so that it's, it's more holistic and authentic. And that when I agree to do something that I can be fully present because that's something that I'm actually committed to, as opposed to, can I cram it onto a calendar? Oh, I can. Okay. I'll do it. Yeah. Right. And I actually had this conversation with my friend, the one that actually did my wedding. Mm-hmm. So he recently just deleted most of his social media. Oh, yeah. Got rid of his Twitter, got rid of his Instagram, deleted everything on Facebook except for some contact information. So people that want to contact him through Messenger can still do that. But for the most part, he's like, why am I doing this? And I kind of feel the same way. I actually feel like I use less social media during this pandemic. And... I too have been one of those people that says, I want to just get rid of it all mm-hmm. because I think during the pandemic, you do have those real human interactions. And while we have things like Zoom or WebEx to mm-hmm. chat with each other, those are real interactions as opposed to the social media where you create an avatar for yourself. And then you have to constantly feed this avatar because you create this persona online and then you constantly have to maintain that persona. So you put up travel pics. Mm. You put up other stuff now because everyone loves your travel pictures. So you're like, oh, I like how they love my travel pictures. So that's all I ever put up. Mm. And that's the only persona you have, not of who you, what, who or what you are, where you can say, you know, I don't feel like traveling anymore. And then people say, why aren't you traveling anymore? Uh-huh. So they, they want you to feed this persona, but that's not the real you. But like, for instance, a Zoom call where you're talking to people and interacting directly that is more real communication. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage people in, in like after this whole pandemic to like kind of like maybe we should start pushing social media to the side yeah. and really 
forging those real relationships with people. Yeah, that yeah. that is so that's so true. So what you're saying that is communication in your marriage is great, not only because of the pandemic, but because you've worked on, on the whole communication process, but also in the broader scheme of things, not only you, but people in general should be more cognizant, more aware of the need for really human interrelationships. Yes. And that doesn't mean that technology is bad. Mm-hmm. Technology we can use for, can you can use technology to facilitate these things. But I think a lot of times when we look at Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, it's not about facilitating those interactions. It's just about feeding some sort of online avatar and then feeding their algorithms. Yeah. No, you make a good point because um, I think about like, I think mom, I told you this, but one of my childhood best friends, like we had lost touch and then we regained contact on Facebook. And instead of being like, let's send funny memes. They were like, you want to do a zoom? (laughs) And so for the first time in 20 years, we talked probably more than 20. Yeah. More than 20 years. And that was really so much more fulfilling than trading messages to a post. Yeah. Well, you know, I suppose that's some of the advantages or disadvantages of uh, technology. It's not bad, like 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 what we said, but but it's the way we use it. We some people have become actually addicted to it. Well, it's it's set yes. up that way, isn't it? Well, I mean, you know, you study the brain, so yeah, it's they they figured out. I guess likes are kind of like drugs, so people are fiending for likes now. So they figure out. I want to post things that will get people mm-hmm. um, active. And then they've also changed how these things interact with you. Facebook used to be, I would just see what my friends post. Mm-hmm. I used to actually have to physically go to their page if I wanted to see what they post. Then they create the news feed, and then they said, okay, we're going to have algorithms that will show what people are posting or things that we think you should find important. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a friend that's not posting as much, then you're never going to see them anymore because the algorithm says, oh, that person's not important, but maybe you should respond to this post over here so then it's actually altering your interaction with the system so you're not really interacting with your friends you're following what the algorithms are telling you to follow oh, yikes and to me that's not real interaction no, anymore not. that's just a system that is manipulating you mostly for advertising dollars yeah no that's a good point because i knew there was an algorithm but i didn't realize that it was very much like there could be all of this um these messages and things that like i just wouldn't see and so it's like it doesn't exist you know um scary stuff yes it is but something i really loved that you said was that because you and your wife have been home it's like gaining years together i thought that was really neat and i thought i I really know her in a way that i didn't know her when i would just go by her place and the same with her coming by here that back and forth which of course when you live together you're going to gain that, but then you're still both going about your business, leaving the house to go to work, visit friends, do all these things outside the house, and then you're together every now and then. Yeah. But then this time, it's now exclusively you two are together. You see you're cooking together, eating together, everything. And you know, 
So and I think to uh, in, um, kind of piggybacking off of what you say, when we go out to work and we come back home to our significant others, we tend to focus on what happened out there, what happened to me out there, and what happened to your spouse right. out there, and not necessarily how are you doing, you personally, the person, not necessarily the, the job out there kind of person. Exactly. And then also there's just that interaction where I'm at work and you can come by and say, Hey, I have a question. Oh yeah. Or, or I, I take a break and say, how, how are you doing over here? It's you, you don't have that when you're in this world where it's like, I go to work, I spend the eight hours there and then I commute back home. Yeah. yeah. And there's, I mean, you know, on, on the flip side for, for people who are in more kind of collegial work environments, like you lose that too, because it's like, I'm just seeing you digitally and pinging you throughout the day, you know? Right. So it's kind of like, how do we, how do we connect as like real people um, as we emerge from this pandemic so that our relationships are richer all the way around? And I would say at least from my workplace, it was, it was not that bad because we had already been using Zoom since, so let's, let's say it was about four years of, me using Zoom up until the pandemic. Oh, so okay. we were used to this because we're part of a collaborative project that has different universities. So then every month we have a big Zoom meeting where we're all together and we're chatting. So the only difference was usually the labs are, you're all, all the lab members are together in one place and they're connecting to Zoom. Now we're just in a, at our home computers, but we're still using Zoom. So we know how to use it and everything. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a difference too. That's normal. But I, but I do think, though, that uh, what this pandemic may have taught us, or what I hope it has taught us, is that the human relationship is very important because many people would complain or would be more the fact that they could not see their loved ones in the hospital or grandparents would say, right. I haven't seen my grandchild in so long because I can't travel. I miss a hug. I miss all of those uh, physical contact that we tended to take for granted before the pandemic. And I'm hoping that when we emerge from this, that we'll be more aware of the things that we used to take for granted. Right. And I think the kids are probably the most affected by this mm -hmm. because they really need that social interaction because school, as much as we think it's about education, that, that to me is the secondary part of it. The, the primary part of it is how do you interact with, the world around you and that's going to be your peers your teachers the, the 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 administration of the school you need those interactions so being at home and having a zoom class is just not the same thing and so i so one thing i'm glad to see is that they're really trying to get the schools back open so they can get kids back and seeing each other again yes, they yeah that. that's so so important yeah and trying to figure out yeah how do we how do we do that um so that they can they can have that connection and because you learn how to do that as a kid yeah and you keep you know you keep and you build those skills so definitely want them to have those skills but, but do you think that that some children may have lost those skills being away from school for a year they probably have but they're kids also so their brains are still developing so they can pick it right back up again i i think that the a child's brain is very resilient so even if it has like that lack of interaction, which may make them make some of them depressed, once you get them back in the environment, they can start to 
get back into things, just get get back get back up to speed again. So yeah, that is very good to hear as a parent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, any other questions that you had, Mom? Oh no, I'm I'm okay. Okay. Anything else you wanted to share, Kwali? No, I think that's about it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, um, you know, shining a light on what it has been like uh, to have a major life change. And it sounds like it was really, really good that you, like it, it really enriched. Yes, I think it was amazing. So the pandemic, I think it has been a hard hardship for many people, but I think it actually was a benefit to me. It really helped me. That's good to hear. And I'm really glad that your first year of marriage has been such a beautiful thing. So yeah. Congratulations. Yes. yes. A big thank you to Dr. Kwali Tellisford for joining us on this week's episode. We really enjoyed learning about his experience of marriage. And then we also got an added bonus, learning about the brain, resiliency, and how that plays into social media and the algorithms. Please join us for next week's episode when we talk with someone who, well, met someone brand new. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate and subscribe to At The Same Time on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. That way, you won't miss a single episode. We'd love for you to connect with us online. Our website is sametimepod.fireside.fm. You can also follow us on Twitter at same time pod. Music by purpleplanet.com. Copyright 2021 by Nikel Rogers Wood, PhD, and Elsa Rogers, PhD.